So welcome once again to the Coffee and Heroes podcast. It is now time for our preview show. So the world may be on fire right now, but the comics industry just keeps on turning. And as usual, we got our previews book this month. This is the January previews book, highlighting the titles that are going to be coming out in March of 2021. So essentially, it is a case of us going through the books, picking out the the titles that we're looking forward to most, highlighting a few ones you might have missed, or just generally all around telling you what to spend your hard-earned cash on. Or in this case, hard furloughed cash, whatever suits. Your host as always, Alan, owner and operator of Coffee and Heroes. Delighted to be joined once again by Keith. How are you, sir? I am good. I'm, I'm very good. And I know you say the world is on fire, but I would argue the comic books are on fire as well. Oh, smoothly I mean, done. Smoothly done. Oh, thank you, sir. Maybe I'm on fire too. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I mean, there's some, there's some fantastic stuff. Uh, March has me really excited obviously it's previews from march it's the first previews book released in 2021 um so uh kind of exciting in that in that respect yeah big time and i mean what 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 we always like to do is we like to sort of look at it book by book so to speak you know we have dc connect which is the online resource that the dc release you guys can search this up yourself just google dc connect and this is number eight there's then the Marvel book that comes with the traditional previews book. And then you have the main previews catalog itself, which covers all of the indie stuff, you know, your image, your boom, your dynamite and so forth. You know, we always look at the books uh, a little bit of an overview before jumping into our picks. And this was a big month for me as a DC fan. I, I was really curious to see what March was going to look like. The last couple of months have obviously been leading to Future State, to the culmination of Death Metal, you had a lot of series coming to an end, a lot of our own personal favorite series coming to an end. You know, <laughs> for you, Batman Beyond, you know, for us both, Suicide Squad. Uh, just a lot of titles sort of were coming to an end. And you, you started worrying, thinking like, you know, there's been a lot of turmoil at DC in 2020, certainly from even Warner Brothers above, or Time Warner, I should say, even above DC. And there was a lot of uncertainty going into next year. And you kind of felt like a lot of titles were winding up and you kind of wondered if they'd even come back. But the DC Connect dropped and I am so excited now. It, you know, they needed a big month, you know, post-Future State and I personally think they've delivered with this. I'm really looking forward to getting into a bit more detail on it. But essentially it breaks down to, you know, a brand new direction without having to be a complete reboot or a complete overhaul. You know, you've got great creative teams lined up for, for a lot of the titles tons of starting points for new readers i think this is going to be new reader friendly as well so it's a really exciting time to jump on if you're if you're looking at jumping on point and also some new formats for some of their bigger books as well you know there's a little bit of scaling back which i kind of like and i think it'll actually benefit them in the long term so yeah really excited to to jump into the dc book uh would you, i mean ooh. There's there's a wee, been a wee bit of backward and forward about whether or not it is a reboot. It feels a wee bit like a soft reboot to me. What yeah, do you well, reckon? Well, that's what I mean. It's not a complete reboot or a complete overhaul. We're not back to issue ones all round. We're not back to a brand new continuity. And I mean, we'll get into it certainly in more detail with a, a one shot that's going to set it all up. But essentially, if you say reboot, normally a reboot means we're going to start fresh. What this is actually saying is. Everything that's ever happened in DC Comics, it all happened. And now we're going to move from there. So, you know, that that's what I'm really excited about. It's, you know, the entire history of the DC Universe has been restored, essentially, in the wake of Dark Knight's Death Metal. You know, every epic battle that ever happened before 
it actually happens. So that's that's what I'm really looking forward to with it. You know, the new 52 was the epitome of a reboot. You know, they wiped a lot of history. All these characters had only been around for a couple of years and went from there. Rebirth tried to put the two together almost. Infinite Frontier just seems to have reset it to a bit of simplicity. And, you know, it'll probably never solve your, you know, gripes with continuity in the DC universe. But uh, <laughs> aside from that, there's lots well, to look forward to. Know, lots to look forward uh... to. Yeah, I mean, maybe you just have to maybe 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 Clay was giving us a wee bit of insight there, and that uh, when we last interviewed Clay Man, you know, and uh, maybe that that advice just to let go and enjoy it is is definitely yeah. how I enjoyed the end of of Death Metal for sure, um, uh, definitely. But I mean, the, the DC book was hilarious because you know I thought right, okay, sort of rebooty time. You know, there's going to be some books finishing. There there were books finishing that obviously I was really enjoying. I thought this will I'll be able to, to trim down the pull list a wee bit, you know, and uh, I think, uh, you know, all of the books that are finished, I dropped uh, I dropped one book and ended up uh, signing on for about four or five more. So uh, good work there, Keith. That's where they get you. That's where they get you. So, yeah, so that's the DC book. How about the Marvel book? How is it looking for March releases? Uh, well, uh, March will see the conclusion, the final issue of the core series of King and Black, which has been... You know, we're two issues deep in that at the minute. The the epic, uh, you know, event that uh, Kate and Stegman have been building to in the Venom books for you know through absolute carnage up to up to this, and it really has been the first two issues have been something else, Alan. I mean, really, it's it's like I don't know, Noel kills the Marvel universe. So I mean, it, and it really is pure pure hardcore living rock and and comic book form. Really enjoying it and. You know, the work that, that those guys are doing is, is great. So we've got the final issue, issue five of like the core series, the final issues of a number of the limited series that are around that. There's a handful of one-shots and, and, and tie-in issues uh, throughout regular books. Um, you know, there are a few first issues. There's the debut of Spidey's new costume, controversial as that will be. And other than that, sort of the regular monthlies are continuing you know, to power ahead on a beta. The X-Line continues to be really strong with all of the books now finding their own theme and distinction uh, under their creative teams and Jonathan Hickman, the head of X, you know, directing the directing things, you know, and that's all off the back of leaving X of Swords behind us. So they've sort of settled into a bit of a, you know, their own status quo, you know, connected to, you know, being, being X books, but also having their own, as I say, their own character, their own theme, which is, which is really nice. So you can sort of pick and choose a wee bit. There's all of the there's all of the regular stalwarts. You know the the Marvel heroes: Thor, Daredevil, uh, Spider Man, Miles Morales, Iron Man under Cantwell, Avengers under Jason Aaron, and the Immortal Hulk. Immortal Hulk will be hitting issue 44 or 45. So that's coming close to its predicted conclusion at 50. Uh, we're going to see the end of uh, of Marvel's first 40k license, Warhammer 40k. Uh, that being Marnius Kalgar, which has been a fantastic uh, series, fantastic introduction to the Warhammer 40k universe. And uh, then the likes of Eternals, X-Men Legends, and Iron Fist, Heart of the Dragon are, are just getting started. We haven't read the first issues of those yet, but those will be around issue two or three. So um, certainly Eternals is in my, my pull list right now, and I'm really looking forward to getting my teeth into that. Um, the big announcement, of course, is probably the cover story of the previous book, book, which is Marvel diving into its new horror property, 
which you know is is sure to be big. It's a new property for Marvel, a new license. It's not a new property to many of us, but uh, I'm really looking forward to it. Um, we'll talk a wee bit about that later. What about uh, India, Alan? Um, what Term, do you reckon? In terms of India, it's almost a case of where to even start. You know, there's <laughs> so much good stuff in it, and. You know, there, there's always one company I find every month when the previous book comes out that stands out, you know, quote, is wins that, the month. Let me, is that, you know, for the most part, is that image? It might just be image this month. Uh-huh. But I mean, you know, Boom <laughs> have great months, Dark Horse have great months. You know, it all turns in roundabouts, but certainly image is probably, well, not even probably, image is definitely the largest of all the indie publishers. They... They work with the best talent. Boom have had brilliant uh, months here and there, and and some of our absolute favorite titles are Boom. But in terms of variety and scope and and scale, I would say that Image will probably always win out when it comes to the indie stuff. And there's so many great ones in here. There's some great new series. There's some great uh, graphic novel collections of a lot of titles that we certainly push and talk about and really enjoy, both volume ones and continuing volumes as well. So, and new new books from big creators to get excited about. I mean, some of my absolute favorite creators all have number ones in this book. There's at least three of them that come to mind, you know. <laughs> so, yeah, really class book to, uh, to, to flick through. And that's without even mentioning something that might even appeal to you in the action figure market, as I see Invincible on the cover with some action I... figures coming soon. I did notice Omni-Man and, uh, and Invincible on the cover. I, I did see that. I deliberately didn't look into the back of the book for that reason. Um, but uh, I don't know how long I'll uh, how long I'll last. But no, I absolutely agree with you. There's some killer stuff from Image. Uh, some some fantastic creators and stuff. Some first issues, some continuations, uh, some second volumes. Um, so yeah, really really excited about uh, about the indie stuff for sure. So I mean, I guess. Well, we're going to kick off with DC, then on the Marvel, and then on the Indy. Yeah, I think it's always think it's always nice. a good way to go, and uh, it gives us uh, it gives us that structure. We can just go through book by book, and you know, because I'm leading the way, we're always going to start with DC. You know, but <laughs> but I suppose the way you could look at it is DC and Indy are the bread, and Marvel is the delicious filling in the middle. So uh, you know, we'll look at it that way for you. But no, for DC, well, yeah, as I say, yeah, I mean, it'd be a shame not to let you start, given. You know, there's there's big things, and there's an issue zero, and uh, there's a, a, a well, not a not a new continuity, but uh, there's 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 big thing happening this month. Big things, big things happening. Well, certainly that's the place to start with the DC book. It's with Infinite Frontier. So this is the new label, essentially, under which the DC titles are going to fall. You know, there's a little rejigging of the front covers. They've got rid of like the Rebirth logos, the DC Universe logos, and they're going with this one, Infinite Frontier. So essentially, there's going to be this one shot, Infinite Frontier Zero. So the little intro to this is essentially with Death Metal, it's created what is called an infinite multiverse. You know, the entire history of the DC Universe has been restored. Every epic battle that ever happened is part of one timeline where everything matters. So, you know, if you remember the death of Superman, if you remember, you know, Nightfall, if you remember the killing joke, if you remember Blackest Night, all these things happened in this timeline. And... As I say, they're kicking it off with this Zero issue. This is going to be a one-shot 64 pages, which is Infinite Frontier Zero. And I think this is also a little bit of an introduction to what talent we can expect to uh, enjoy titles from. I mean, this is all this is co-written by Scott Snyder, Jeff Johns, James Tinian IV, Joshua Williamson, Jeffrey Thorne, Philip Kennedy Johnson, Bram Michael Bendis, Becky Cloonan, Michael W. Conrad, Joel Jones and Tim Sheridan. 
And then art-wise, you've got John Timms, Howard Porter, Joel Jones, Jorge Jimenez, Aletha Martinez, David Marquez, Stephen Byrne, Jamal Eagle, Dexter Soy, Rafa Sandoval, Alex Malev, John Romita Jr. And then they have the cheek to say, and others. And others. <laughs> <laughs> so this will be the, the starting point for what they're going to be doing moving forward, I would say. You know, just as we had that rebirth one shot that was excellent from Jeff Johns and Gary Frank, which led to the return of Wally West and, and the rebirth timeline and so far, so forth. But I would I would really recommend jumping on this. So it's essentially the, the blurb for it is the next phase of the DC universe begins here. Death Metal presented the darkest threats of the multiverse. DC Future State revealed what may lie ahead. Now it's time to look into the infinite frontier of the current day DC universe. In Gotham City, the Joker jolts citizens awake with an attack even the Dark Knight never expected. In Brazil, a young woman discovers her destiny and her connection to the Amazons. In Belle Reve, Amanda Waller plots an invasion of Arkham Asylum. In the far reaches of space, Mongol dreams of galactic domination, while the Green Lantern Corps hosts a summit of its greatest enemies. At the Hall of Justice, the League joins forces with Black Adam. Beyond the mortal world, Wonder Woman settles into a new role in the God Sphere. And somewhere in the DC Universe, it's the return of Stargirl in an all-new tale written by Jeff Johns. This oversized all-star issue kicks off the next great era of storytelling and excitement as top writers and artists reveal what's next for the world's greatest heroes and opens the door for some of the greatest stories of 2021. So, for me, this is the kind of thing that you would certainly read if... You're unsure what titles you want to jump onto. Maybe it's a case of seeing what writers are on what titles. I think this is going to be pretty essential. Uh, it's a beautiful looking wraparound cover, I have to say as well, by Dan Jurgens and Mikkel Yannon. Uh, tons of characters you've recognized there, restored to their, their classic looks, shall we say. But there's also some new looks for different characters. You know, you've got a different looking Damian Wayne in there, for example. You know, you've got the Titans restored to sort of their classic looks in the background there. You've got, you know, some of the original Green Lanterns, the likes of Alan Scott and so forth. We've got Stargirl front and center. We've got a, a different looking Wonder Woman just uh, above Superboy's shoulder. And then, of course, you have Wonder Woman sort of in the stars almost, you know, because, you know, her role in the DC Universe will have changed after the end of Metal 7. Who do you reckon the, uh, the Batman with the black mask is behind Batman? That is probably going to be the next Batman, which uh, is a future state story. So I okay, would imagine yeah. I'll, I'll not go into spoilers because I know you're you're just picking up on, on some of your reading. And to be honest, I'm not that far ahead of you. But <laughs> of course, it was a bad title. Of course, I had to read it straight away. So, of yeah, just really, really looking forward to this. And again, it's it does sort of toe that line of reboot, you know. Uh, but I do think because they're basically saying everything that has happened has happened it's not a reboot you know a reboot mm. is always like a wipe the slate clean let's start fresh so i i'm really excited to see where this goes from here and this is going to be kicking off on the uh, 2nd of march so this is very deliberately set up to be the first thing you should read when getting into the the dc stuff post future state so. okay lovely um i mean i'm definitely a jumping on point alan definitely very much so very much yeah. so yeah, I mean, if you were if you were toying with getting into the DC universe, I'd say this would be uh, absolutely critical um, for sure. So cool. Well, uh, I mean, I was really taken for a number of reasons with uh, the first book in the, in the DC Connect book that is under the Infinite Frontier banner. Uh, the first number one, anyway, and that's Batman: Urban Legends, uh, written by and you know if 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 
the 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 art or the the David Finch cover or the Kale New cover didn't get you the the list of writers. Well, that's Chip Zdarsky, Matthew Rosenberg, Stephanie Phillips, and Brandon Thomas. Uh, art by Eddie Burrows, Marcus Toole, Ryan Benjamin, uh, Laura Braga, and Max Dunbar. Um, so. Uh, Batman may be the biggest name in Gotham City but there are a lot of other heroes and villains who will get a turn to shine in Batman Urban Legends, a brand new monthly series tying into the biggest events in, in Gotham City, so above and beyond Batman even, so the series begins with with a, these can't be missed tales superstar Chip Zdarsky enters the world of Gotham City with celebrated DC Comics and DC Future State Robin Eternal artist Eddie Burrows with a six part story chronicling Red Hood's investigation and a new drug sweeping through Gotham. Uh, it's a night that will change his life forever and uh, put him in Batman's crosshairs. Now, this is the one that really tweaked me, uh, was the writer of DC Future State Grifter's story, Matthew Rosenberg, picks up where he left off, continuing from the pages of Batman 101, with superstarters Ryan Benjamin uh, joining the team as we learn why Cole Cash, Grifter, uh, is in Gotham in a tale that hints at what Halo might be, and we also get Batman versus Grifter round two. Uh, so Grifter, I mean, one of my favorite characters, uh, harking back to uh, Image's Wildcat days, uh, Wildcats, you know, back in, at the start of Image, um, you know, it always has been a, a fantastic character, and to, to see him now fully in the DC universe and, and where he belongs, you know, either toe-to-toe or head-to-head with Batman. Uh, is great. So there's a new Harley Quinn writer, uh, Stephanie Phillips, uh, and uh, next Batman uh, artist Laura Braga. She joins. She joins. They join forces for a Harley tale set just before the launch of her new series. And then coming out of DC Futures, Future State's Outsiders tale, Brandon Thomas begins a three-part saga reuniting Black Lightning, Katana, and Metamorpho, uh, which is it's a, a reunion that will quickly turn into a confrontation with a figure from Katana's past. And that's drawn by Max Dunbar, who was on uh, Dungeons Dragons, Judge Dredd, and uh, Champions for Marvel. But yeah, this just looks like a it looks like a like a like a real compendium sort of a book. Uh, you know, a, a compendium of ongoing stories, and the I guess in the old style, uh, you know, the way you used to get in a lot of lot of books. Batman would seem to be the center pole, but it seems there's going to be a lot going on around him. Uh, so yeah, I'm really really excited for this, but in particular for the creative team and in particular for, for Grifter, uh, hopefully taking a wee bit more of a, of a, of a role in, in, in DC's Infinite Frontier. Well, that's it. I mean, well, it. certainly with uh, the Grifter storyline as well, as it, it stated, if you want a, a tiny little bit of background for the Grifter in this, uh, in this story, go back to Batman 101. There was a, a face-off between Batman and Grifter. I believe Grifter was hired as a bodyguard, essentially, that's for right. uh, Lucius Fox, if I remember correctly. But yeah, it's interesting, as you say, it's obviously under the Batman uh, banner because, you know, let's be honest, Batman sells. But, you know, when the Zdarsky story is being talked about, it looks very much like a Red Hood story that Batman will be in. Mm-hmm. You know, Grifter is a Grifter story that Batman will be in. So it's it's very much led by these, you know, supporting characters. And as you say, that creative team um, on those titles is just incredible. I mean, Eddie Barrows as well, I... I'm a big fan of his. He's he's worked on Nightwing mm. a lot through the new Fifty Two and so forth. So yeah, I mean, it it's just great to see new voices. I mean, 
if you've been a Marvel reader for the last five years, it's hard to get away from Matthew Rosenberg and Chip Zdarsky because they've done some of the f- the finest work for Marvel, and they will continue to do fine work for Marvel. But it's it's nice to see them playing in the DC universe and getting those fresh voices and and not just yeah. having to be the same writers over and over again. You know, um, for sure. And uh, that is published the week after um, Infinite Frontier, I believe. Yeah, and you'll be happy to see that it says premium format, which means it'll be square bound, but it's not premium plus format. So you don't have to worry Thank about black you, label. Sir. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> so as well as that, you then have uh, a new Joker series launching as well, which is spinning directly out of Infinite Frontier. Uh, this is so. This is what I'm talking about when I say some of the bigger titles are going to be going to a new format. So what DC have shown in this month is a lot of their titles that pre. Uh, future state were fortnightly things like batman things like flash things like detective comics they're now going monthly now they will be the equivalent of a dollar more expensive but every title is going to have a backup story and again it's going to be monthly so instead of paying for two issues a month you're just paying for one but they're doing this format where you have the the upfront story and then you have the backup so the joker is the first example of this it's going to have a joker main story but a punchline backup story and there's going to be different creative teams whether it's a different artist on it or or whatever but it also seems like the backup stories are going to set the stage based on some news we got today they're going to set the stage for some new titles coming out which we'll we'll get to in a moment when we talk about batman and detective comics but with the joker number one so this is going to be a a new ongoing series uh it's great to see that it's written by james tinian the fourth so continuing with what the the great work he's been doing on batman he's writing the backup story on that but you've got the art for joker is gm march who again has been working with tinian on batman but you've got backup story art by mirka andolfo which is someone i'm a huge fan of she uh she did the art for the punchline one shot actually as well so i think that's going to be really cool it's it's really strange that i always wonder you know what the draw to the Joker is, you know, such a homicidal, dark character. See the amount of people who come in store and go, what would you recommend if I want to read a Joker story? Nine times out of ten, you have to recommend a Batman story the Joker mm-hmm, features mm-hmm. in. So it'll be interesting to see this coming out uh, with the Joker headlining, so to speak, cause it's something that hasn't been in comics for a long time. Um, uh, I mean, I'll be interested to see whether it has legs, you know, how long it lasts, whether, you know, it, it goes for six months or, or, or 12 months or I don't know. Yeah, I think Certainly definitely. I think, yeah. I think the one thing I would say is I would trust Tinian, you know, in this. Oh, I, yeah. I, I think yeah. he's earned our trust in this. And if he's pitched this to DC, he's pitched it in a way where he says he has a long form story. Because otherwise, as you say, why not just, a, you know, uh, say this is going to be a six issue mini. And if it does well, we'll do a volume two. So I think Tinian's earned that trust and uh, definitely one to, to look forward to there with uh, the Joker oh. number one. You know, it looks like uh, the protagonist, well, I mean, it's the Joker's book. The Joker will probably be the protagonist, but the, the antagonist to the Joker looks to be uh, James Gordon facing retirement, mm-hmm. uh, hunting the Joker potentially overseas. Yeah, and it's, it's interesting as well that uh, you've got Bane in the background of the cover, but Bane is not mentioned anywhere mm. in the, uh, the synopsis, but yet they've chosen to dedicate the entire top half of the cover to him. Yeah, interesting interesting um brilliant interested in that i have to say yeah so that's one of the infinite frontier ones uh there's a couple of other 
ones that we're not going to spotlight too much, but you've got a new Harley Quinn series launching with a brand new number one, Stephanie Phillips and Riley Rossmo on art. You have Suicide Squad, a new one launching, which is written by Robbie Thompson with art by Eduardo Pansica. I'm curious about that only because I see a Talon on the cover. And as a big yeah. Court of Isles fan, that intrigues me. Uh, mm-hmm, but they've got yeah. a lot to live up to after Tom Taylor's rather excellent run. They do, they do. But uh, another Infinite Frontier title that uh, has really uh, has really got me is uh, The Swamp Thing, number one, by uh, Ram V and Mike Perkins. Now, uh, Ram V and Mike Perkins did great work on Swamp Thing in the Halloween special, wasn't it? Mm-hmm. Um, really, really enjoyed that. And, you know, obviously Roddy put us on to, to Ram V some time ago and we've definitely been been watching with interest, you know. So uh yeah, this looks great. I mean Mike Mike Perkins is as fantastic as art is, is just lovely. So Swamp Thing is returning in a new uh, ten issue series that uh, introduces a brand new Guardian of the Green, um, in uh, Levi Cami. Unable to control his transformation at the monstrous swamp thing, Levi is thrust into the harsh, unforgiving mystery of grisly murders committed by a supernatural desert legend. Uh, Levi must revisit past events in his homeland of India and uh, face the uh, the deadly reality of a, a ravenous new villain in order to comprehend what he is truly and horrifyingly becoming. Uh, so a new action, a new global era, era of global action and horror blossoms here, uh, and the root of it will be swamp thing. So this looks. That's another great new series, ten issues. So um, I think I'll be I'll be in for the for the ten issue long haul there, based on uh, just the the art sneak peek there from uh, from Mike Perkins. Yeah, I mean, obviously did great work on the Lois Lane mini series that we enjoyed so much as well, and that's actually the creative team for Future State Swamp Thing. And I I read the first issue of that and was pretty impressed with it as well, uh, even if it was very post apocalyptic and dark to say the least. But really, nice. really good story. Uh, what else? Um, not to not not to not to labour the point. Um, on our last reviews podcast, we talked about Bendis leaving Superman uh, and, and action comics, and I'm really excited to see uh, Phil Kennedy, Philip Kennedy Johnson, and uh, Phil Hester. Uh, Philip Kennedy Johnson is a, a favourite of mine from uh, The Last God, which I know you're not reading just yet. Just yet, it's probably uh, the it's probably the best thing to say there. Yeah, yeah, and it, you know, so uh, I mean, for me, it, it was the best of the, the DC Black Label titles for sure, and maybe you'll agree with me when you get onto it. But that, but Philip Kennedy Johnson is the new writer on Superman and action comics, so they're keeping them together. Uh, Phil Hester is the artist, um, you know, on I think both actually, um, and uh, this is they've also got uh, backup stories, uh, so uh, a Tales of Metropolis backup story and Superman and a midnighter backup story in action comics so uh looking forward to seeing what philip kennedy johnson can do with can do with superman uh, it'll be definitely a wee bit of a wee bit of a change he's done a wee bit of captain america as well mm-hmm. uh, so mm-hmm. let's see what let's see what happens here yeah and again the <laughs> idea will be that if you're looking jumping on points for superman then superman and action comics under a new creative team will be the the way to go uh, as well as that, you've got uh, the Bat Family uh, new stuff coming up. So I'm delighted to see that Tinian is continuing to stay on with Batman. You know, a lot of the creative teams have been changed post-Future State. But I think Tinian proved himself, you know, indispensable to the Bat universe at the moment. Um, with that Batman 106, if you can get me that uh, wraparound variant cover by uh, Jorge Jimenez, I'm not going to fight with you. 
Yeah, that is that is rather beautiful, and and really does show the depth of the cast in Bat Books, which is uh, one of the reasons why I think the Bat Books are probably the most popular. Um, but again, this is uh, just backing up what I was saying earlier about the new format. So Batman's going to be monthly now instead of fortnightly. It is going to be a dollar more expensive, but you're going to have that backup story, and. It's great to see Batman 106 has come back with Tinian on writing and Jorge Jimenez on art. But the backup story is actually going to be that this is this is a delicious thing to, you know, chat to Keith about, because if there's a character he probably does not care about that much, it's Damian Wayne. If there's a writer, though, that he will write, read pretty much anything he writes, it's Joshua Williamson. So it's true. (laughs) (laughs) So what they're doing is and we actually heard this news today. We're recording this on the 14th and. Joshua Williamson actually just announced there's going to be a new Robin series launching in April, so even further ahead. But leading into that, you're going to have the backup stories in Batman 106 and then Detective Comics 1034 are going to be written by Joshua Williamson with art by Gleb Melnikoff, and they're going to focus on Damian Wayne, which will then be the lead-in to this new series that's coming. But as well as Batman, as I say, Detective 1034, I am so pumped for this because... Dan Mora is taking over art duties on a bat book. I have wanted this since Detective Comics mm-hmm. 1000. I've wanted this since the very first issue of Once in Future. You know, I I just I'm in awe of Dan Mora's art. Just mm-hmm. and it's probably the epitome of your favorite type of art: clean lines, really yep. expressive, <clears throat> always great colors. And he's taking over the art duties but it's going to be Mariko Tamaki taking over writing duties and again this is going to be a good starting point for people for detective which you know I've been championing quite a bit lately is you know it's maybe a bit of a sleeper hit detective I think it maybe deserves more of an audience than it's actually got at the moment so it'll be good to see some people jump onto that you know it's a it's a book that I jumped off many many months ago um and I have I'll be jumping back on it for uh for detective 1034 for sure for obvious reasons but you were saying about how Bendis has left Superman but he has taken over Justice League yes he has taken over Justice League and that uh, that is that is interesting um so Bendis you know was on Avengers for a long time uh and he uh you know, he did. He wrote up. He wrote the, the Avengers disassembled and a lot of the early Mighty Avengers, New Avengers books. Whenever after disassembled, so I mean, I really enjoyed those books. Uh, Bendis gets criticised for his talking head approach that he doesn't characterise whenever he's writing characters and groups. You know, it's, it's just about uh, talking heads and just uh, giving out information. You know, that's needed. But um, I will certainly be. Uh, I mean, I was ready to jump off Justice League. I have to say. It hasn't been doing a lot for me recently, but I think I'm going to hang around uh, both for, for, for Bendis and David Marquez and Art, but also for the backup story, uh, which is a Justice League Dark story by Ram V and Zermanico. Zermanico's art is phenomenal. Uh, and, you know, there's been a lot of talk about Justice League Dark over the last year or so, couple of years. So uh, this will be my end for Justice League Dark, for, which is exactly what this is for, isn't it? These backup stories. Yeah, but you know, yeah. You know just give, giving you a little bit of a taster. You know, a little bit of a taster of that universe, and then is it a case of wanting more? I mean, I'm slightly disappointed that Justice League Dark has been reduced to a backup, but the creative team on it is great. I mean, I, I've been a Justice League Dark fan for, for years, so I'm a little bit uh, upset at that, but at the same time, yeah, I put them both together, one big book. I can, say, I can get over it. Would you say that at some point in the future, 
we're going to see a Justice League dark book again. I mean, these backup stories are clearly there as tasters. You know what I mean? The the, the early reaction to <laughs> to a, a Robin backup story has already yeah. resulted yeah. in a a Robin book. You know, been a nice so yeah, very so much. There so you are. But, um, I think that's fair. I think that maybe their plans becoming clear after that announcement for Robin that, as you say, these are lead-in stories to to whet the appetite, if you will. But and you know that uh, the 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 lineup of Justice League uh, under Bendis is Superman, Batman, The Flash, so the, the core there, Hawkgirl, Aquaman, Hippolyta, obviously replacing Wonder Woman there, and uh, new DC powerhouse Bendis' own Naomi, and uh, and also Black Adam. So Superman is leading the, the charge to reinvent the Justice League, and at the same time, a new cosmic power threat arise from Naomi's homeworld to rule the Earth. Uh, interesting. Yeah, so just one more sort of single issue just to spotlight, but because we're going to leave the other single issue to last in the DC catalog just because I don't think you'll be able to contain yourself if you start talking yeah. about it right now. But just one last one we wanted to throw out a bit of uh, love for. It looks really, really interesting, which is uh, Superman Red and Blue. This seems to be a, a new direction for both companies, these anthology books getting on lots of great talent to do shorter stories. DC did it... F- I think it was first of all with um, a digital series, which was Harley, Red, White, and Black. And then Marvel did Wolverine, Black, White, and Blood. And then you have Superman, Red, and Blue. And I believe we'll get to it in the Marvel one. There's a Carnage one as well. So I really like these anthology styles. I've been really digging the Wolverine one. uh, So much so that, you know, I may have picked up an original page of art for it for, uh, for Vicky for Christmas. So the main one that intrigues me on this is... I'm a big fan of Deadly Class and Wes Craig, mm-hmm. who's the artist on Deadly Class, is both writing and drawing uh, an issue of this. But you've got some great talent involved here. You've got John Ridley in writing duties, Dan Waters, Marguerite Bennett. And then art-wise, you've got Steve Lieber, who, of course, did such great work on Jimmy Olsen. You've got Danny, Jill Thompson, Clayton Henry. So some some really uh, cool-looking stuff through that anthology series, I think, as well. I mean, I'm... I'm just really interested to see it, see interesting things done with Superman, uh, new things done with Superman. Not that, I, and I don't mean that in a facetious way, because uh, I really like Superman. But I think it's just really nice to see see new writers on him and, and interesting texts on him and, uh, and and interesting looks to him. So I'm really looking forward to that. Well, I mean that leads us to a couple of different graphics we wanted to uh, throw shoutouts for coming out in March and. You say you want to read a good Superman story. Well, how about you pick up the best Superman story of the past decade? Uh-huh. Well, I mean, that that's exactly what I'm doing here is uh, we have listed Superman up in the sky, which is coming out in March in paperback, trade paperback format. So I've, I've been waiting for the paperback. Uh, that's uh, Tom King's uh, Superman up in the sky, which Alan has uh, fastidiously over the last few months been uh, been saying you need to read it, you need to read it, you need to read it, and I've sort of been waiting for this to buy it and read it. Um, so, yeah, this is very much my version of Conan from you or Cobra Kai from you. It's like it's it's the kind of book you stick your uh, recom- your recommending reputation on. <laughs> it's just that good. A uh, couple other interesting ones hitting uh, in March. You have Deceased Dead Planet. The hardcover of that's coming out. So the third part of Tom Taylor's uh, zombie book. You've got the Seuss. Speaking of Tom Taylor, you've also got Suicide Squad coming out in uh, March, which is collecting together the 11 issues of uh, of that run, which was 
pretty damn great again it's going to be a hardcover it's uh, subtitled bad blood uh which we we really really enjoyed but the last one too uh i'm going to let keith take the floor for the last one uh that we're going to recommend from the dc book and i think the two of us would just fight it out for who would recommend this the most but <laughs> i'll let you have it i'll let you have it well i mean speaking of tom taylor this for me is just kind of the announcement of the dc book um and you can you can easily miss it as a returning series uh, uh, with Nightwing, uh, I guess, returning at number 78 with the creative team of Tom Taylor and Bruno Redondo. Um, Jesus, what, what? I mean, that is unbelievable. The cover just looks phenomenal. It's just this great picture, Bloodhaven, Nightwing in the background, the, the blue of his the blue of his, his symbol in between, and he's just got that, just that Dick Grayson sort of not not smart arse, not smug, but just this wee sort of half smile in his face of confidence. He knows what he's doing. You know, we know Nightwing always knows what he's doing. That's what I, that I love about him. So, I mean, the the solicit says Nightwing is back and his drive to keep Bloodhaven safe has never been stronger, but his adopted city has elected a new mayor with the last name of Zuko. Uh, when Nightwing enlists Batgirl's help in investigating the politician bearing the same name as the man who murdered his parents, Funerous details that will shock and fundamentally change the hero. Uh, New York Times best-selling team of writer Tom Taylor, deceased in Injustice, and artist Bruno Redondo and Justice and Suicide Squad are about to take Nightwing to the next stage of his evolution as a hero, and I couldn't be happier. The, the art looks phenomenal. Uh, you know, the sneak peeks just look brilliant, action-packed. Nightwing moving the way that Nightwing moves, you know, and, and, and it's, it's just that, that physical martial style. Um, but yeah, with that light-heartedness, that confidence and, and, and wit and swagger. Uh, just fantastic. I'm really looking forward to this book. Really looking forward to this book, you know, and I mean, Nightwing's been through a bit of a bit of a hard time, you know, and a bit of a you know, with the the, the, the Rick Grayson stuff, you know, and, and then his redemption in Joker War coming back, you know, as, as Dick Grayson losing B, you know, from, from that whole period, you know, and, and that. So, yeah, I'm just excited about this. And then I think once again, it's it's we, we need to be keen to stress at this point that it may be number 78, but this is the epitome of a jumping on point. It's, mm. you know, Nightwing has just essentially got his mojo back. He's also a brand new creative team on there. You know, it again, you know, there's consistent love in this podcast for the work of Tom Taylor. And it's usually well warranted because all of his stuff is great. I think this is a perfect marriage of writer and artist because he's, or sorry, writer and uh, character, because he's proven he can write the serious stuff, but he, he's always got that sly wit, and I think that'll just really suit Nightwing as well. This this was a title that, I kid you not, like, our lists for Nightwing quadrupled in a day once it was announced Tom Taylor was taking over this title. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, suffice to say there was a lot of excitement for that. So uh, yeah, so that's pretty much uh, everything from the DC book. There are other, there's other bits and pieces in there as well. There's some great continuing series, things like uh, Batcat, things like Rorschach, and so forth. But those are those are continuing ones that hopefully you've uh, you've already jumped on by now. But we'll move across then to the Marvel book, and I don't think it's probably a bad thing if I say to let's skip the first ten, twelve pages of Keenan Black because you know. Keenan Black is just a behemoth at this point. Everybody knows about it. Everybody's on it. 
and that's going to make a hell of a great omnibus when it gets released. Mm -hmm. um, but what we always like to do in this is look at sort of starting points or, or look at new series, that kind of thing. And the first one that caught my eye, of course, is actually one that spun out of Keenan Black, but also spins out of uh, Donny Kate's Thor series. The reason I picked this one, and th this would probably be, if we had the board in the store, this would probably be one of my picks of the month because of Daniel Warren Johnson. Uh, anyone who like has, you know, watches the YouTube or anything like that, I did my best of last year. And for me, Wonder Woman Dead Earth was the best title of last year. Daniel Warren Johnson wrote and drew that. He's writing and drawing this. This is Beta Ray Bill. It's going to be a five-issue miniseries. So issue one's going to debut in March. And again, it's a character that I don't know an awful lot about. I think you'd probably be able to school me a little bit more on uh, on Beta Ray Bill. Yeah, I mean, Beta Ray Bill is a, he's um his race is a Corbinite. Um, and he was introduced, uh, I think it was in the, the early 80s, a character created by Walt Simonson. And the way it sort of went, uh, Shield, uh, I mean, Beta Ray Bill is kind of, you know, the, the, the guy that, Thunder God at Thor's right hand and has been since that time. But uh, S.H.I.E.L.D. sort of detected this alien fleet passing, passing close to Earth and Fury asked Thor to investigate and Thor, you know, went to the ship and, you know, it scanned it and perceived him as a threat. And then whenever it did it, it woke up uh, Beta Ray Bill, who was the Corbinite who was in suspended animation inside the ship. And uh, Bill wakes up and battles Thor to a standstill. Uh, you know, and you know, the whatever happens, Thor ends up reverting to his mortal persona, who you're very familiar with at the minute, Don Blake. Um, you know, he was separated from his hammer, and whenever that happened, uh, Bill took Blake's cane and knocked it on the ground and received Thor's power in a variant of his costume. And you know, over the the years, then well, over that the time, then it became. You know, Odin became aware that Beta Ray Bill was worthy of the, the hammer and ended up crafting in his, his own hammer, Stormbreaker. Uh, and, you know, for a while, Beta Ray Bill stood in for Thor and, and all of that sort of stuff. So, he, I mean, he's persisted. He was really massive in the 80s. He persisted throughout the 90s. Uh, we've seen him more recently. He disappeared in Ragnarok, I think. And there's been a whole lot of stuff, but uh, he was in the Secret Invasion storyline and all of that. More recently, we've seen him where King Thor, you know, Thor... Uh, you know, shattered uh, during the uh, during the Galactus storyline, shattered Stormbreaker, uh, which means that that, uh, that uh, Bitter Ray Bill no longer has no longer has a uh, a hammer. Um, but yeah, so I'm interested to see where this is going, and I think this is based on that, isn't it? Where where Bitter Ray Bill doesn't doesn't have a hammer and and is sort of. Uh, he doesn't have a weapon, and that's what this is about him. Yeah, that's it. I mean, <clears throat> the sort of clip notes for it would be, you know, the Corbinite must strike out in search of a new weapon and a new destiny. So it's all about very much forging his own path again. It's, But again, it, I, with it being a character I don't know a lot about, it's just right there. It's follow the creative team, and after Wonder Woman, Dead Earth, I'm all in pretty much on anything Daniel Warren Johnson does. So uh, I'll really look forward to that. It's going to have a oversized issue one as well and there's going to be uh interestingly there'll be some good back matter an exclusive conversation between daniel warren johnson and beta ray bill's creator the legendary walt simonson so a little bit extra bonus content to look forward to there as well okay well from one johnson to another uh and one that we've already uh spoken about uh, not so long ago there this guy seems to be 
everywhere at the minute, Alan. Uh, mm-hmm. That's Philip Kennedy Johnson, who we just said is has taken over from Bendis and Action Comics and Superman. Well, we uh, referred a wee bit to uh, to Marvel diving into its new horror property, uh, and that new horror property is Alien, uh, which it recently acquired off uh, IDW. Um, you know, the comic side of things, obviously. Uh, Marvel owned by Disney. Disney now owns Fox, Fox, 20th Century Fox, 20th Century Fox Alien. Um, <laughs> to uh, just to, to bottom line it, but so this is Philip Kennedy Johnson, who if, if again I refer to to uh, the Last God. This guy knows how to write horror. Uh, you know the Last God is a real dark, dark horror fantasy. You know almost Cthulhu esque. You know in a lot of ways. So. Philip Kennedy Johnson on writing, Salvador LaRocca on art. Come on, this is the team, you know. So, uh, so the the icon of cinematic terror makes its Marvel debut, uh, and we're going to see the expansion, I guess, of this of this universe. Um, Gabriel Cruz gave his life to Wayland Yutani uh, in the case of an alien attack. He barely survived, almost literally. Uh, recently retired, Cruz is trying to patch things up with his abandoned son with the help of his friend, a bishop model android. And his re-entry into civilian life is not going smoothly. Any encounters and his encounters with the deadly xenomorph are, are far from over. Philip Kennedy Johnson and Salvador Larogo team up uh, to tell an all-new tale of uh, of the titan of horror and science fiction that has scared audiences for decades. No one is safe. No one is innocent, and no one can end this story. Uh, so, forty pages, and uh, yeah, I'm really, really looking forward to that. I mean, it sounds fantastic, and it looks it looks beautiful. Um, the, there's a, a an Lee, um cover uh, on this, and the art Salvador Larocca's art is just. I mean, he's he's one of the, you know, one of the artists, one of the comic artists. So this is just just phenomenal. I'm really looking forward to that. What do you reckon on that, Alan? It looks dangerous to me in terms of how many really nice variant covers there are. <laughs> uh, the one I saw that that you know just jumps out at me is the Patrick Gleason one. Of just course. beautifully lit, pure horror image right there. But you've got a who's who on the uh, the variant covers here. You've got Inhuke Lee for the main cover, but you've then got variants from Steve McNiven, Ron Lim, Pete Momoko, uh, Todd Nowak, David Finch, Patrick Gleason, Scotty Young. No doubt I'll have to get a Scotty Young one for Vicky as well. I want to see that. Yeah, Scotty Young alien cover. It, it, it's not something that just rolls off the tongue, is it? So it'll be mm, not really. interesting to see if they come up with. But yeah, I see that being a, a popular one because uh, alien stuff always sells well in the store, so it does. Uh, moving along, we have a title that I believe is going to be one of your picks, which clearly shows that DC's loss is Marvel's gain with a certain mm-hmm. Mr. Spurrier moving across to... The, yes. the House of Ideas, absolutely. Uh, so this, I'd say, you know, of 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 our picks this this month, this this is going to be my pick of the month. This is the book that I am most looking forward to. And as you say, you know, it is DC's loss. They lost them off Hellblazer whenever they unceremoniously cancelled that book. And uh, and I'm really glad to see him on this. So Cyrus Barrier was on the the King and Black Black Knight one shot. Uh, I think that's uh, that that. Uh, February, January, February release, mm-hmm. and from that he's spinning out into Black Knight, first of the Ebony Blade, number one of five. So the Black Knight, like Bitter Bill, is a character, a Marvel character that a lot of probably folk really don't know. Um, he's appeared in Symbiote Spider-Man, King and Black recently, and I think the reason he's making a resurgence is because the Black Knight is tied to the Eternals. The Eternals is obviously going to be a, 
a big movie, but um, uh, Black Knight is Dane Whitman. Um, he uh, he's a scientist, uh, a physicist, and uh, he has a a link to you know a wealthy family. He was uh, you know a New England family, and uh, he is the the modern day Black Knight. The first Black Knight was Whitman's ancestor, uh, Sir Percy of Scandia, who lived during the reign of King Arthur, and uh, you know all of you know that you know he was murdered at the the hand of, of Mordred, and that big grant began a string of su- successors, all of them Percy's descendants, that led to Dean Whitman. Um, you know, and the the Black Knight prior to Whitman was his uncle Nathan Garrett, who was a supervillain, uh, an Iron Man supervillain, and then you know initially at the start, you know, uh, at the start of Dean Whitman's role as Black Knight, you know he. He wants to restore his family's legacy, atone for Garrett's deeds, you know, and uh, and that. So he takes up he takes up uh, the weapons of of uh, of the Black Knight. So he's an excellent swordsman and hand to hand combatant. He's a horseman. He's a physicist. He's a strategist and tactician. He's got these magic senses as a result of his link to Arthurian legend, and he wields the sword of light and the shield of night. Uh, and he he I mean, Dean Whitman was at one point the chairman of the Avengers during the during the 90s you know he, he has this you know he, and then the reason he's linked to the Eternals is that he is um, he's linked to Cersei of the Eternals he's her uh, like her her love he's linked to her heart you know and all sorts of things you know um, so so yeah and he's also he was also involved with Crystal of the Inhuman Royal Family as well so I guess Dan Whitman gets around you know but he's got the Ebony Blade and the Ebony Blade uh, oh, I mean it's a, it's a dark weapon it, it always um it always wants blood, I think, is, is how it goes. And and uh, you know, there's the there's always the threat that that Dean could fall to the sword's curse and I think transform into something, the blood wraith or something. But but yeah, so so he's the holder of the Ebony Blade, and that is clearly what this story is is, is looking around. So it's great to see Dean Whitman, the Black Knight, back. So anyway, the solicitation said the greatest knight of all of them rides again. Um, Dean Whitman is the Black Knight, wielder of the magic ebony blade, but the blade's power comes at a terrible price. Dean forever bears the burden of its curse, an insatiable lust for blood and mayhem that constantly threatens to swallow its owner in darkness. Must that be Dean's fate? Following the battle against the King in Black, a reinvigorated Dean has a greater sense of purpose than ever before, but his sword is the key to a new enemy's evil plan, and only the Black Knight can prevent the coming death and destruction. This conflict spanning mythical Camelot to modern-day New York City will test Dean like never before, and challenge everything he believes in about himself, the Ebony Blade, and the history of the Black Knight. So guest starring the Avengers. So I am really looking forward to this. I'm really looking forward to see what Ty Spurrier does with this character, how he, you know, the story that he's that he wants to tell and that he wants to use this character to tell. So I'm really, really excited about this. Yeah, there's a few yeah, guys who are guys jumping that... on the Keenan Black tie-in with Black Knight, so I would imagine one will lead to the other. They're obviously spinning this out of the events of uh, Keenan Black, as they say they're, you know, following his battle against the Keenan Black. He's sort of reinvigorated, so to speak. So, so yeah, five-issue miniseries there. I'm not overly familiar with the artist, Sergio Davila. Uh, doesn't ring mm. a bell, admittedly, but that's not necessarily a bad thing. Mm-hmm. Um, lovely cover, though, by a uh, long-time Spider-Man artist, Ivan Coelho, long-time Venom mm-hmm. artist as well. Uh, we mentioned before about anthology tales. We had obviously mentioned Superman Red and Blue. So 
Another one that's proven popular already for the pre-orders in store is Carnage Black, White and Blood. This mm-hmm. is number one of four. So same again, going with the anthology format. Not a bad rake of riders to kick things off with there. You've got yeah, Donny Cates, Benjamin Percy and Teeny Howard on writing duties. Then you've got Sarah Pacelli and Ken Lashley on art. So same again, this is this is Marvel leaning very heavily into horror as well. You know, this this little blurb for it sounds like it was written by Stanley himself, I think. So mm. witness the cerebral chaos caused by carnage. Look at all that alliteration. So cerebral chaos caused by carnage. Brought to life by some of the greatest creators at Marvel. But beware, true believers, true to their titular character's namesake, these spine-chilling tales are not for the faint of heart and presented in black, white, and blood. Already proven popular in store, Carnage is another character that maybe there's not enough titles that have Carnage in it at the moment. I mean, Absolute Carnage was an absolute you know, sales monster as, as much as anything else, but uh, I have a feeling that's going to prove very, very popular in store, and as I say, the pre-orders are already strong on that. Uh, what do we got next up? Next up, this seems to be a, a new thing Marvel are doing as well. They did this in 2020 mm-hmm. with Jan Size X-Men, I believe. They did it They did it before that, I would say, Alan, with Marvel Legacy. Mm-hmm. Remember, or Marvel Comics 1000. Mm-hmm. Uh, do you remember they did... An, one a, page a, at a time. One page at a time with a different artist taking over a, a page. Now, you're right, you're exactly right. They did it with all new X-Men um, last year. And uh, it's the original story, you know, but each page is differently illustrated by a different different artist. So, And that worked really well. I thought it would really annoy me, but I really, really enjoyed it. Uh, I just thought it was really interesting, you know, just to compare and contrast the original book and see interpretations, you know. So, um, sorry, I didn't mean to interrupt you there. No, not at all. This is this is more more for you. You're you're the big cap guy, but it's just it's it just seems like that this is something that Marvel are enjoying doing at the mm. moment. They get the original scripts, they get the original layouts, but they then pull in some of the the best talent around to just bring it to life. Uh, maybe for a modern audience, you know. I sometimes think with the older Marvel stuff, that and it's the same with the older DC stuff as well. Modern audiences are sort of used to modern art, and sometimes older art puts them off. Now I love older art. I think some of the imagination and it's superb but some people are put off bad slightly so they almost mm-hmm. need those classic stories to be updated with modern art techniques i mean the the list here i mean i'd be here for the next five minutes just reading out everybody who's involved <laughs> in this but if i had to pick out a, a couple of personal favorites you know stephanie hans is going to be involved in this mahmoud azrar alex ross steve epting chris samney i mean this is just me picking out ones i like and that's about five percent of them so... Shelby, salvador <laughs> laroca uh, Valerio Shidi, uh, <laughs> Lee, Alex Ross, <laughs> and of course, yes, Peach Momoko is doing a page. Uh, uh, <laughs> I mean, I guess the, the book is is Captain America Anniversary Tribute Number One, and it's celebrating eighty years of of Captain America battling tyranny. Uh, and what better way to celebrate than just having this cadre of Marvel's best artists redraw and uh, modernize Captain America's origin? And the debut of the Red Skull from Captain America Comics number one, and as well as Cap's return to the Marvel to the Marvel Age in Avengers number four. So the writers are, of course, Joe Simon, Stan Lee, and Jack Kirby, uh, and that that original that original content being reimagined in a in a very interesting way. Uh, yeah, really looking forward to that as well. I have to say. Yeah. Of course, you've got what you're looking forward to most, Keith. Clearly, Deadpool Nerdy Thirty. 
<laughs> yeah, well, almost. Yeah, <laughs> not not quite. But yeah, the last uh, just... last one we had sort of on our list was actually a resolicitation. I think this is actually the third time it's been resolicited. I'm kind of wondering if this is trying to take the place of J.J. Abrams' Spider Man. But we have Nonstop Spider Man, uh, written by Joe Kelly, art by Chris Bacallo. That is due in uh, March this year. But I think it's been resolicited a few times. And uh, you can probably go to at least three previous podcasts to find an explanation for that. Yeah, I mean, I think it was a lot, 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 lot one of the COVID, uh, you know, casualties, wasn't it? Yeah. Um, but yeah, that that this looks really good. Actually, I'm really, I, I mean, I've, I've put it on my list three times now, I think. But uh, mm. it says, you know, buckle up, Tiger, get ready for the most action-packed, pulse-pounding, adrenaline comic of all time. As the name implies, once you read page one, panel one, Spider-Man does not stop. A mystery at Empire State University thrusts Spider-Man into an adventure that starts in uptown Manhattan and will take him around the world, pitting him against Marvel Universe's villains old and new to give you a Spider-Man adventure and Spider-Man the likes of which you've never seen. This book is not for the faint of heart, so check with your doctor before reading. <laughs> Stan Lee's still alive and well, I tell you. Uh, I was listening to uh, Rob Liefeld's podcast earlier on about Stan Lee, mm-hmm. and he actually does a fairly passable Stan impersonation. Oh, really? <laughs> Is it as good as his Todd McFarlane impersonation? I would I would go as far as to say it's maybe better. <laughs> Them's big words. Them's big words. Um, so yeah, so the rest of the Marvel book is pretty much taken up with, you know, Keith mentioned in the intro, you know, continuing great series such as Thor, such as The Immortal Hulk, Iron Man, Avengers, tons of great stuff in there. Worth the just Star Wars stuff. Star Wars as well, yeah. I'm actually personally looking forward to reading Star Wars High Republic. Number one yeah, just launched too. this week. It's as far as number three by March. And then just to finish off, I think it's worth pointing out a couple of the collected trades and omnibuses. A lot of these are early solicits and actually don't come out until July, but you've got Predator, the original year's omnibus coming out, which will collect together all the old Dark Horse stuff. The one that stands out for me, because I've never read it, but I love the creative talent involved, (coughs) is the Captain America by Rick Remender omnibus. Um, Oh, yes. That looks great. That's going to collect together... uh, Captain America 1 to 25 from 2012. I have read part of it because I did read Winter Soldier, The Bitter March, and very much enjoyed that. And then there's a couple of other titles in there. All new Captain America, Fear Him. All new Captain America and Hail Hydra 1 to 4. And just a class John Romita cover to that as well. Uh, It seems to be a big one as as it showed with that uh, Captain America tribute. There's a lot of uh, Golden Age Captain America stuff being put together in omnibuses as well. As they're saying, it's it is the eightieth this month. You know, March is the eightieth anniversary of of Captain America's creation. So, and then, uh, that's what we're celebrating. And then another personal favorite one would be the Fantastic Four omnibus because it's volume two, and it's going to be covering uh, issues thirty one to sixty. So you've got essentially there, uh, you've got the debut of Silver Surfer, the debut of Galactus, you've got the wedding of Reed Richards and Sue Storm, you've got the Inhumans coming into it, you've got Black Panther coming into it. So there is a ton of great stuff in there as well. Some of these omnibuses are going to bankrupt me because they're and, so many uh, good ones. March, we've got uh, the uh, the trade paperback of uh, Warhammer 40k, Marnie S. Calgar out as well. Mm-hmm. Um, Kieran Gillen and Jason Burroughs, definitely a big uh, a big highlight of uh, of this year um, for sure. So yeah, there's some really some really cool stuff. Some really cool stuff from the Epic collections as well. Uh, we've got X-Men Avengers Onslaught, uh, Volume 3. So the first couple of volumes of that are out as well. That was a great story. Um, and so, yeah, just some really some really interesting stuff. Um, 
coming out. Uh, but yeah, I think that, that puts paid to the Marvel book, does it? I think it does, and I think you and I are already bankrupt by this point, but we're still going to uh-huh. go into the uh, the indie stuff, which is going to require a second mortgage, I think. <laughs> the indie book is really strong. I mean, we, we've broken down, we always make little notes before we do this, and we've broken it down into publishers, and you know, there's great stuff here from Image, from Boom, from Aftershock, from AWA, from Dark Horse, from IDW, from... Even Dynamite has a good title this month, and normally I'm not a Dynamite guy because it's all just, you know, nonsense that Andy usually buys. But uh, (laughs) there's even a really good James Bond series, but we'll get to that in a moment. But yeah, Uh Image for me is definitely the the strongest one this month. You know, every page you turn here, there's a title that looks really interesting. And we kick things off with a title that was originally a Kickstarter. Uh, I'm actually waiting on the collected edition arriving of this because I backed it. Uh, and I backed it simply because it's written by Scott Snyder and art by Tony S. Daniel. And then the colorist is Tomo More, who, you know, Clay has obviously spoken so highly about as well. So this is a title called Noctera. Now, this is actually, Scott Snyder has set up his own uh, comic production company. It's called Best Jacket Press. And he has said that 2021, he's going to step away from working for DC and focus on his indie line. So he's obviously set up a publishing deal then with Image Comics to release the first title from Best Jack of Press, and that is going to be Noctera. So for this one, series premiere, it's going to be a 40-page issue one, but it's still going to retain the, the $4 price point, which is great. So 10 years after the world has plunged into an everlasting night that turns all living creatures into monstrous shades, the only way to survive is to stay close to artificial light. Enter Valentina Val Riggs, a skilled ferryman who transports people and goods along deadly unlit roads with her heavily illuminated 18-wheeler. This March, legendary creators Scott Snyder and Tony S. Daniel unveil horrors behind any shade in this extra-sized first issue. You know, you've got a who's who of people on, on variant covers, you've got Jock doing a cover, you've got Boss Logic, there's a glow-in-the-dark one which I'm really intrigued about. Uh, but it shows the confidence image having this book. You don't normally see an awful lot of incentive covers for indie titles. But in the book here, they've listed a 1 to 10, a 1 to 25, a 1 to 50, a 1 to 75, and a 1 to 100. Uh, I would say pre-orders for this will probably put us up to the 1 to 25, maybe 1 to 50. But definitely no further than that, I would say. <laughs> So, but yeah, five pages of preview art in here. It looks great. You know, Snyder's always been a great ideas man. You know, I I like to refer to S- Snyder as, as, as another one similar to someone like, say, Mark Miller. You know, not every single idea hits the spot, but in terms of ideas, I think he's one of the best in the business. And uh, I'm really, really looking forward to that. That's that's high up my list, I have to say, this month. Um, yeah, I mean, I, uh, as you, you know, I have my my issues with, with, with Scott Snyder, but uh, I mean, there's no denying the man's, the man's talent. And this is something that the likes of which I don't think I've seen him do before. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, I, I, I still have to read American Vampire, I have to say, but certainly I've never, I've never really seen it. I haven't read Witches. So, so yeah, I'm really looking forward to this. I'm really looking forward to, to getting into this and seeing what the crack is. The, the, uh, the world just looks really interesting. I love Tony, Tony S. Daniel's art. Um, so, Looking, yeah. looking forward to it. And a wee bit of horror is always good in well, comic form. Snyder at his base level is a horror writer. That's the thing. When you look at Witches, you look at Court of Owls, is very much a horror story. But another great one, uh, which I'd really recommend to you, is called The Wake, which is an underwater horror that he wrote and Sean Murphy drew. 
really really good 10 issues through vertical oh so uh i'd highly uh, recommend throwing that up there as well what else have we got from image well we got the next <laughs> graphic novel release <laughs> this just put a big old smile on my face oh big style i mean uh, if you haven't uh yet read uh ed brubaker and jacob phillips last release um reckless uh which is set in the 80s and introduces to uh to ethan reckless and uh you know ethan's byline or the byline of the book is uh, uh ethan reckless is uh you know your trouble can be his for a price you know uh, it's just it, it it was absolutely fantastic introduces to this former fbi agent uh, disgraced a man who as a result of a an accident has lost the power to feel emotion uh who is kind of a nearly an 18 macgyver like troubleshooter in the the cd80s and in, in la that feels a wee bit like a really hungover 1970s um you know it's just fantastic so and and uh, i should say if you haven't read that and you haven't read pulp the brubecker and Phillips book before it then what are you doing with your life <laughs> but so what we've got in march is the next book in the Red Hot Reckless series, and that is a reckless book, Friend of the Devil, uh, which is just a fantastic title. So best-selling crime noir masters Ed Brubaker and Sean Phillips are back with another new original graphic novel featuring troublemaker for hire Ethan Reckless. It's 1985, and things in Ethan's life are going pretty well until a missing woman shows up in the background of an old B-movie, and Ethan is drawn into Hollywood's secret occult underbelly as he hunts for her among the wreckage of the wild days of the 70s. Another hit graphic novel from the award-winning creators of Pulp. My heroes have always been uh, junkies, criminal, and killer be killed. I mean, this is this is just. I mean, if you're a Brubaker and a Phillips fan, if you like the crime noir sort of thing, then this is just an absolute must-have. Can't be missed. You know that sort of way. Um, can't wait for this, and I'm I'm loving the format. Loving the format. And I also love the fact That's that this is. Been uh, solicited, but then also at the end it says, and look for the next standalone book in the Reckless series in October. So, I mean, these guys are obviously working hard as hell behind the scenes on this. They've got a long-term plan. They're, you know, they're essentially announcing the next volume of it, which isn't due for, you know, 10 months. But the dialogue is just, I just can't get over how good, how well Brubaker writes noir and his sort of pop culture observations and stuff. Mm -hmm. First of all, apologies if you're going to read this and you were born in 1985 because the preview art starts with a big wide angle and it says 1985 was a bad year. Uh, <laughs> so don't take it too personally. But uh, I love the uh, the wrap-up of the 80s. It's when I think of the mid-80s, I mostly think of all the bad drugs and music I never thought would be stuck listening to for the rest of our lives. Bands with big hair and loud keyboards, drum machines, Depeche Mode, Duran Duran, the music of cocaine and empty promises. Just what a writer. What a writer. Yeah, yeah. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. I mean, I, yeah, fantastic stuff. Right up my street. Right up my street. Yeah, big time. I mean, just to throw a little bit uh, towards a couple of some uh, some new single issue series that start now, because I know one that Vicky had, had picked as one of hers is actually a, a title called Shadecraft. Uh, which is a brand new number one and it is written by joe henderson and art by lee garbe now the reason she chose this is because she was a big fan of a title called skyward and it's the same writer and artist of that so this is going to be kicking off on march 31st uh zadie lou is afraid of her own shadow she's a teenager so she really should have grown out of it by now right but something weird is happening in her small town zadie could swear the shadows are coming to life watching her trying to kill her 
But how do you fight something you can't even touch? And how does all this tie into her family of all things? From the creative team that brought you the Eisner nominated Skyward, join Zadie Lou as she ventures into the shadows to face her fears and discovers a legacy she never knew she had. Uh, some really cool uh, preview art for this as well. Skyward was something I, I very much enjoyed as well. So it looks like a, an interesting little horror book there. For sure. Um, staying uh, staying with, with Image anyway. Uh, and uh, I think staying kind of with, maybe not with horror, but, but certainly post-apocalyptic. Um, I've been sort of looking at the uh, Jared Moralt's The Fall, Volume 1, which I think collects the first three issues of uh of the fall which so i mean it's been published in french and german and beyond but um Meralt is swiss i think hasn't bothered with the english-speaking market much but as, as so images picked this up and translated it um i think it's known in uh, as la chute in, in french um and it it's like i don't know like a cross between the walking dead and uh, the road uh, Cormac McCarthy's The Road, which is one of the singular most depressing books I've ever read. Uh, so I don't know why this appeals to me so much, but uh, it must be the post-apocalyptic nature. But it says, after losing his wife, one father will have to face a world in free fall, shaken to its core by economic, social, political, and health crisis without precedent, uh, facing seemingly unreal and unexpected dangers. He will do whatever it takes to protect his loved ones in a country on the brink of collapse. In this internationally acclaimed series, Jared Merrill tells not, not only tells the story of one family struggling to survive, but also the questions and the question, but also questions the very reasons that brought mankind to this apocalypse. So, you know, I thought uh, whenever I saw this, I thought, oh, this could be a Roddy book, you know. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, looking forward to looking forward to that. So that's a that's a trade, as far as I know. Yeah, it's interesting because it actually goes into detail in that the trim size of it is eight and a half by eleven inches. So this might be a weird shaped book, Keith. I don't know if you're going to like this. Well, you know, it's. It's a bit of a different thing. It's not coming from a major comic company. <laughs> I, I think the creators of Image would uh, not agree with that statement about this not coming from a major comic company. Well, uh, yeah, okay. So, uh, sorry, it's a it's a trans it's a translated work uh, from another another part of the world. <laughs> okay, I'll let you away with that one. Uh, yeah, and then just sort of finishing it off on Image. I mean, there's there's just a ton of great graphic novels coming out uh, uh, for March as well. You've got the first volume of a couple of ones we've certainly pushed a lot. You have Chip Zdarsky's Stillwater and Ramon Perez on art for Stillwater. So volume one of that's coming out, which is called Rage Rage. Uh, a title I'm a big fan of, uh, which is The Scumbag, which is Rick Remender and Luis La Russa. And I've that, been enjoying it, I have to say. Yeah. Well, that's going to be uh, that's gonna be another $10 one as well, which is good. So uh, that's coming out. Uh, volume one, Cocaine Finger. You also have, you know, continuations of, of other series we love so much. I mean, the new volume of Nailbiter comes out, volume 8. We've got Philadelphia volume 2, Burn Baby Burn. Uh, definitely, if you haven't had a chance to, I thoroughly recommend going back and listening to our interview with Rodney Barnes. Just thoroughly interesting, you know, educated, smart, intelligent guy. Uh, really, really interesting. So, And he'll tell you why you should be reading Philadelphia as well. And then undoubtedly Image's biggest uh, title, certainly in our store in terms of pre-orders, but Undiscovered Country Volume 2 um, comes out as well. And and I'm curious if the volumes are going to be named after the zones they're set in, because Volume 2 is called yeah. Unity. Interesting. So, okay. so yeah, so tons of great stuff from Image. And then, yeah, the, continue, the continuing series are all here. Department of Truth, Firepower, you know, Homesick Pilots, Post-Americana, Two Moons, 
Walking Dead Deluxe, etc., etc. So tons of great stuff in there. So that is Image Comics. But if Image Comics is always doing well, Boom is not usually too far behind, it has to be said. Boom is is a company that we always point out a lot of their great titles. And I was drawn to Boom this month simply because one of my favorite creators is launching a new book. Doing it through Boom as well, which is interesting. And that is one of a kind, higher intelligence than all of us. Shaman of the Mystic, Grant Morrison himself, is putting out a new book. And it is going to be a five-issue miniseries called Proctor Valley Road. And come on, it's for fans of Die. What more do you need? So this is going to be, as I say, a five-issue miniseries. So it's it also says that you'll enjoy this if you enjoy Paper Girls. Now, Paper Girls is one of the few Brian K. Vaughan titles I haven't read, but I really must do something about that. But I got to love this as well. So anytime a, a book's being solicited, they'll always, you know, put in brackets, you know, what the, the creator's done before or that kind of thing. And it says, perfect for fans of Paper Girls and Die, visionary writer Grant Morrison, Klaus. I can understand that. It's a boom title. Alex Child, BBC's Holby City. Yep. I'm not sure that really sells me on it. Uh, and Naomi Franqui's Tales from Harold County present the chilling new horror series. How many times do we do this podcast now that there's so much horror coming out? Mm-hmm. Uh, about the mysterious monsters that haunt Proctor Valley Road and the four misfit teenagers who must stop them. August, Riley, Cora and Jenny have organized a spook tour with their classmates on the most haunted, demon-infested stretch of road in America to fund attending the concert of their dreams. When their visit turns deadly, these four friends race to rescue the missing students before the town tears them limb from limb. Now they must slay the evils roaming Proctor Valley Road, along with the monsters lurking in the hearts of 1970s America. I also find it interesting how many of these titles go back to the past, you know, go to the 70s, go to the 80s. It's almost like the modern world, there's there's so few mysteries exist in the modern world, you know, because you've got information at your fingertips through your smart devices and so forth. The amount of great titles that seem to go back in time to a simpler time, if you will. Here ends Alan's latest uh, soapbox. <laughs> but yeah, Grant Morrison, I am all over that. Uh, Proctor Valley Road, number one. That's definitely one of my picks of the month as well. Interesting. Uh, so for me from Boom, uh, obviously, I mean, I've been a huge fan of what uh, Boom and Greg Pack have been doing with Firefly license. And that doesn't stop in March um, as uh, Boom releases uh, issue one of five, I believe, of Firefly brand new verse. Uh, so it's set 20 years after the events of Firefly. Serenity soars the verse once again with a new captain, Emma, the daughter of Wash and uh, Zoe. Uh, the old crew of Serenity have gone their own way and now Emma is working to prove herself to Zoe uh, alongside a new crew of castaways and misfits just trying to stay afloat. But when Serenity takes a job from a familiar face, they discover that a new living, breathing cargo was far more than they bargained for and might bring them into conflict with the Alliance once again. This is uh, Josh, Lee Gordon, Josh Lee Gordon, who uh, who wrote uh, Firefly Bad Company, which is one of the, the one-shots, uh, Fabiana Mascolo. Uh, begin a new era for Joss Whedon's Firefly with first appearances of an all-new cast, new adventures, and shocking new surprises. So, uh, 10th of March, really interesting to to see a, a, like an evolution of the of the Firefly universe. Uh, see what it looks like in, in 20 years time, you know. So, um, from characters, so that'll be uh, that'll be a bit of fun for sure. Nice, nice. And then just a couple of graphic novels just to finish off with. Boom, 
I mean, again, a couple of titles that we've really enjoyed, Wind, and We Only Find Them When They're Dead. The first volumes of that will be launching mm-hmm. in March. But there is also an advanced solicit here for another original graphic novel from Boom, which is called The Down River People. Now, this this caught my attention. It's written by Adam Smith with art by Matthew Fox. Of course, it gives you the usual blurb of for fans of, and for this one, mm-hmm. it equates it to Stillwater and uh-huh. Essex County. So this comes a new graphic novel reuniting writer Adam Smith and artist Matt Fox, the duo behind the Eisner and Harvey Award-nominated Long Walk to Valhalla, for a riveting story about a man attempting to survive the complicated and dangerous web of his family's criminal ties with his soul intact. Myers Carpenter is a bootlegger who just inherited his family's bar and must turn to his estranged mother, who he hasn't seen since he was a boy, for help. Myers learns the secrets of his family's new lodge, but he may not escape the dark cult thriving just under the surface of opulence. Really cool, sort of washed out um, art style to it as well, even if one of the main characters looks like Jim Gordon as a barfly. But uh, I, I just love me some some horrors and dark stuff like that. And yeah, yeah. original graphic novels just seem to be the way to go these days, don't they? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, so that's pretty much boom. But I think it's probably worth jumping to Aftershock at this point because I think, again, this would probably be one of your titles of the month. Yeah, absolutely. This was one that I am beholden to uh, to Roddy for uh, for introducing me to, uh, and that was the original uh, Undone by Blood. Um, so, I mean, the, the original the original series was was fantastic. It it was a a revenge story set in the eighties, juxtaposed against a a story of um, you know the story of a, a western novel uh, and the character in that, uh, and it was just like a Again, it was a like a neo western and the and the, the sort of same sort of vein as as that Texas Blood. So this is again the original creators Lonnie Nadler and Zach Thompson, uh, Sammy Cavella, uh, teaming up again on the second series of Undone by Blood, uh, subtitled The Other Side of Eden. Uh, so it's the early 1930s, so we've got a shift in in uh, in time here, the height of the Great Depression, the beginning of the Dust Bowl. Uh, Silvano Luna del Rio works as a postman in Batar, Texas. Uh, reeling from a tragic past with only a gun and a Western novel in his, his name, Silvano sets out to take back from the country that took so much from him by robbing the first skyscraper west of the Mississippi. But acts of retribution are never as simple as they seem, as his target is home to an eccentric fraternal brotherhood who are hiding their own dark secrets. By Silvano's side is an old West novel featuring famed gunslinger Solomon Eaton. As both stories unfold simultaneously in true Undone by Blood fashion, the mythic Western informs choices in reality for better or for worse. In the minds of Lonnie Nadler and Zach Thompson, the dregs, X-Men, her infernal descent, and artists Sammy Cavella, Abbott, and Tommy Gun Wizards, um, comes the next story in the critically acclaimed new Western series that depicts the hard truths of seeking vengeance in the real world. And that's that's really that there's two real core themes that, that make Undone by Blood, and that's the themes of of revenge, of vengeance, and also then the idea of this old Western novel of the gunslinger Solomon Eaton, uh, and that's the, you know, Solomon Eaton was the the gunslinger that that our our heroine in the in the first Undone by Blood in the eighties was reading about. So I just love that three through line. It is so clever. Uh, so I'm really looking forward to that. That five issues was was phenomenal, and I'm really looking forward to this uh, this five issues. Uh, so that's Undone by Blood or uh, The Other Side of Eden. Brilliant. 
Yeah, with Undone by Blood, the first volume has actually been collected into graphic novels, so uh, it is available now. So if you want to get caught up on that before March hits. And speaking of graphic novels, just one I wanted to throw out some love for, also from Aftershock, is Dead Day, the trade paperback is being released. So this was one I've talked about in the past. Uh, I believe issue one was one of my picks of the week. Written by Ram Parrott, who of course is finding a lot more uh, exposure now as the writer of Power Rangers from the the recent um, relaunch. I'll probably butcher this name, but Evgeny Bornyakov is the artist on this. I just love the premise of Dead Day. It was all about this day once every few years where the dead would come back to life for one day only. But they didn't come back as mindless zombies. They came back, you know, fully corpus mentis. They knew they were dead. But, you know, how would you spend that one day? Would you go back to your family and spend a bit of time with them that you didn't get to finish off with? Were you killed in a really gruesome way and you wanted to go out and seek revenge? Would you come back to life and not accept that you only had a day and try to outrun it? It was just a really, really interesting concept, I thought. And it was explored really, really well over five issues. I'm not sure if it's going to come back uh, again down the line. I have hoped that it will because of the likes of Undone by Blood coming back and showing that there can be another volume there. It is just solicited as Dead Day trade paperback, which makes me think it's not coming back. But then at the end of the solicitation, it says this volume contains issues one to five. So maybe it will come back. We shall see. So that's uh, that's Aftershock. We, as always, like to... Um, check in with AWA our favorite brand new imprint of the late of uh the last six months yeah and there's definitely a standout one there again oh yeah I'm really looking forward to uh to one of AWA's uh issues five issue series uh this is issue one by Brian Hill and Priscilla uh Patriots and it's called Chariot and everything from the front cover to the logo just has me the chariot was a Cold War era secret government project to provide its star agent with a weapon unlike any other in the form of a supercharged muscle car. It sank into the ocean decades ago and the agent along with it. Now a petty criminal looking to reform his life has stumbled upon the chariot and he's about to find out that the agent's consciousness is still controlling it in this synth wave thriller. This sounds like, I mean, the first thing that occurred to me was what Knight Rider. You know, it's got to be, you know, there's, there's definitely a nod here to Knight Rider. But I love that. I love the idea of that story. You know, I love the 80s vibe going on. You know, there's the synth wave sort of thing. It just looks, it just looks like all of the good things. Um, yeah, absolutely. So I'm, I'm really looking forward to this. And I say, uh, Brian Hill, uh, you know, well-known, well-known writer, uh, Batman and the Outsiders, Detective Comics, American Carnage, Killmonger, um, you know, those sorts of stuff in addition to his TV stuff. Um, I don't know the uh, Brazilian artist so much, um, though I know she works on Rat Queens for Image. Um, so yeah, I'm really looking forward to that. Just from the solicitation, it looks great. You know, I'm all in. <laughs> yeah, and once again, it's going to be that uh, five issue mini series format that's you know serving AWA so well so far. It's it's a case of release things in volumes. If it does well, it can come back. You do have another couple of volumes hitting this month as well of uh, trade paperback collections. And again, they're keeping that $10 price point for all of the first volumes of them. So a couple of we've we've both been enjoying. American Ronin will hit trade paperback, written by Peter Milligan, illustrated by ACO. So that hits in March. 
Bad Mother was one I really enjoyed, written by Krista Faust and uh, art by Mike Diodato Jr. And then there's actually another one which looks great, but it still hasn't been released in single issues this side of the world, which is Grendel, Kentucky. But the trade paperback's been solicited for uh, for March the 10th, so we'll see for that. So that's AWA. Uh, just wanted to jump into Dark Horse quickly, and this is one that... I, I've, I have a sneaky feeling you might have missed this one, maybe when you were scanning through the books, because it's a Kung Fu book, and I thought this would be right up uh, Keith Street. This is a title called uh, Orphan and the Five Beasts. This is written and drawn by James Stokoe, who did such a great job, I thought, in the Batman Annual. Number five was the artist on that. I know Roddy's a big fan of James Stokoe through the likes of Aliens, Dead Orbit. So this one's going to be a four-issue miniseries. First issue out March 17th. A brand new kung fu epic from James Stokoe. Spurred on by her master's dying words, the adopted warrior Orphan Mo seeks to find and kill five former disciples who now threaten the land with the corruption from their demonic, par- dem- demonic powers. Part 5 Deadly Venoms and Part Surreal Grindhouse, James Stokoe brings his knack for ultra-detailed fantasy imagery and over-the-top violence to this classic tale of revenge. The art looks awesome on this, really, really detailed, really expressive, really visceral. Uh, yeah, this this would be high up my list, actually, for picks of this month as well. Uh, yeah, I may have missed that one, you're right on. Yeah, Orphan and the Five Beasts, I think, again, it'll, it'll be right up your alley, Keith. Uh, and another one I just wanted to throw out with uh, Dark Horse. And again, this would be high up my list. I'm pretty sure this was uh, solicited before. Uh, and it maybe just got held back. It was maybe, you know, one of those titles that with everything that happened with COVID-19 and lockdowns and so forth, it just got pushed back. But it's a title called Dead Dogs Bite. Uh, this is a number one again of four issues. It's written and drawn by Tyler Boss. Tyler Boss was someone who collaborated with Matthew Rosenberg on a great title called Four Kids Walk Into a Bank. And the reason this uh, appealed to me is because it said it said those magic words for fans of Twin Peaks. So four issues. Cormac Guffin has gone missing. It's been three days and no one has seen hide nor hair of her. The police have nothing and the townsfolk are acting more like a funeral procession than a search party. If Cormac has any hope of being found, it rests on the slouching shoulders of her best friend, Joe. Joe will need her wits about her, though, because like any story worth hearing, nothing is what it seems. From award-winning cartoonist Tyler Boss, four kids walk into a bank, comes the story of a riddle wrapped in an enigma wrapped in a candy wrapper. So, really cool-looking preview art for this, and you've even got a really nice variant cover there by Ian Bertram, who was the artist on Little Bird. So, again, something to uh, to look forward to. What else have we got into the IDW side of things? Uh, I'm sure you would be none too surprised to know this was a Vicky pick. What could it possibly be, Keith? What do you think it is? Uh, hmm, let me see. Is Candle 2 The Hollow Man coming out in trade paperback yeah. uh, in March? It might just be. <laughs> it's solicited for then. So, Candle 2 The Hollow Man trade paperbacks is going to collect the five issues, but it's also going to have the um, Clockwork Fairies one shot in there as well. Oh, really? So, that's yeah. good stuff. Uh, if, it, if it didn't have all those in singles, I'd be jumping at it. And I mean, some great, uh, some great news recently. The fact that uh, we're going to get, uh, I think, three new Kanto stories up into twenty twenty two from the from the Kanto boys. So there's there's no stop on our little clockwork night, is there? Not at all. It's going to take over the world eventually. Uh, and again, another good podcast to go back and listen to if you haven't. We we chatted to those guys, and again, just really cool guys. 
uh, and Canto just speaks for itself. Again, one of the biggest pulls now in store in terms of indie stuff. Uh, surprisingly enough, there was actually a Dynamite uh, title that I'm looking forward to. As I stated before, maybe unfairly, but maybe not, Dynamite basically is the home of Andy. Uh, Vampirella on top, Red Sonya, Sacred Six. It's all stuff that doesn't really appeal to me, but they do have the James Bond license and there's a new James Bond title launching which actually sounds really really interesting called James Bond Agent of Spectre number one so this might fill that James Bond shaped hole given that uh, No Time to Die looks like it's going to be held back again the the next Daniel Craig James Bond movie so for this one written by Christos Gage with art by Luca Casalanguida Agent of Spectre part one there's a civil war brewing within Spectre. An upstart American member of the international criminal organization is attempting a coup, threatening to depose Ernst Stavro Blofeld. She's on guard against Blofeld's men, so to take her out, Blofeld recruits a wild card, James Bond. Yeah. With Blofeld threatening the life of Bond's friend Felix Leiter as leverage, Bond agrees, but he has a plan to use this internal strife to bring Spectre down once and for all. Will he succeed, or is this a dark path from which even 007 can't return? So I actually thought the, the synopsis of that sounded pretty great. Um, the writer Christos Gage, written for Marvel before? Uh, yeah, absolutely. Wrote uh, World War Hulk X-Men. He's written for uh, for Dynamite before. Uh, G.I. Joe Cobra for IDW, Man With No Name for Dynamite, based on the good, the bad, and the ugly. And he, he wrote um, some of the Spider-Verse stuff and the Spider-Gaiden stuff as well for Marvel recently. Um, so yeah, he's been he's been around, been around. Uh, used to be on uh, Amazing Spider-Man as well, if I recall. Cool. And then just a couple of last ones. I just wanted to throw out a bit of a an interest for because they're from smaller imprints that maybe uh, you might not have, have been able to keep an eye out for. But one that caught my attention, and again, this is the old classic following creators. But Chris Samney, who of course is doing wonderful work on Firepower with Robert Kirkman, is launching a new creator-owned book through Oni Press. And it's actually Chris Samney and Laura Samney. It's called Jonah and the Unpossible Monsters. It's been <laughs> solicited as Oni's biggest comic event of the year. So they're throwing a lot of weight behind this. Understandable given the caliber involved. You know, because also Matthew Wilson is doing Colours. Who does Colours for Firepower, I believe, as well. Yes. Uh-huh. So for this one, I think this is going to be an all-ages tale. So definitely one to keep an eye out for as well if you've got some younger readers. But Chris Samney's works for all ages, if you ask me. So... For this one, Rainbow has been searching for her sister, Jonna, for a year. The last time she saw Jonna was also the first time she saw one of the monsters that now roam the planet. They're big, ugly and dangerous creatures, driving humanity to the brink of extinction. Though there isn't much hope for survival out in the wild, Rainbow knows that her sister is out there somewhere and she'll do anything to find her. Don't miss the brand new, all-original, action-packed series co-written and drawn by Eisner Award winner Chris Samney. Chris is joined for his first fully creator-owned book by co-writer Laura Samney and frequent colouring collaborator Matthew Wilson. Jonna and the Impossible Monsters is the all-ages adventure of a lifetime. So, yeah, I mean, this this could be the next Canto. You know, Canto is a book that, you know, took on a life of its own in the store, is great for, for all ages. This could be the next one. So keep an eye out for this because, again, it's only press, so there might not be the biggest print run for that. Uh, so get your pre-orders in nice and early for that. And then just one last one just to finish off with. I seem to always pick at least one title from Vault every month. Uh, I think I'm keeping Roddy alive in spirit here. Uh, Not that he's dead. I mean, he is alive. No, that's this is very true. I should really uh, establish that. But yeah, so Vault are continuing their, their horror imprint, which is called Nightfall. 
and there's a new one coming out called Witchblood. Uh, this is a brand new number one in March, and uh, I think this might be up your alley as well, Keith, because it seems to be Buffy meets the Wild West. Uh, a modern Wild West road trip about a witch named Yana cruising the Southwest as a band of bloodthirsty biker vampires, the Hounds of Love, hunt her scattered coven for the source of all magic, Witchblood. From the critically acclaimed uh, creators of the modern witch tarot deck and the long lost crime and long lost comes Witchblood, a blend of action lore and Americana, perfect for fans of Buffy and American Gods. That's written by Matthew Ehrman and art by Lisa Sturl. So same again, Vault tended to be very low print runs, so if they're the kind of stories that interest you, do let us know uh, so we can get those pre-orders in early for that. Lovely. I think that is us through that very thick book. There is, of course, tons more to look for through there. I mean, you can certainly Google the previews book and have a look through it yourselves, guys. But those are just us picking out the things that we think are, are the ones to watch for March. And tell me, tell me, tell me, um, first of all, when is the order cut-off date for this particular So the book? previews order is due at the end of this month, so I believe okay. it is going to be two weeks from... I'm going to stick this uh, podcast out on Friday the 15th of January, so there you will have a good couple of weeks to uh, make your choices. I'm also going to put a wee article together, stick it on the website, just in case you don't want to listen to me and Keith ramble on for an hour and a half, but you still hmm. want the information. How dare you? <laughs> You wouldn't want to listen to our dulcet tones, but um, uh, with regard to you know the store obviously being closed, you know for uh, due to the COVID restrictions for the next few weeks, what is the best way then for folks who are looking for stuff that they they they're interested in? What's the best way for them to get in touch? You know to either start a pull list or to add to a pull list. Well, as always, just uh, get in touch with us through Facebook, through Facebook Messenger. I'll always be the one answering the. The message is on there. You can always email us as well, which is just coffee and and heroes at hotmail.com. We can get you a pull list set up or we can add to your pull list. That's never a problem at all. Very simple process to set up. And even if you can't collect your comics straight away, given the, the restrictions and everything, we'll still have them ordered and collected safely for you. All bagged and boarded, ready for when you're ready to pick them up. So we will we will continue on through these uh, strange times, but make sure you never miss an issue. And most importantly, get it a cover price, which is the biggest benefit of any pull list, if you ask me. So, okay. yeah. So, yeah, you can find us, uh, as as Keith intimated to there, uh, our Facebook page. You can find us on Instagram, Twitter. Check out the website, coffeeandheroes.com. New stock going on there every day as well. And, of course, make sure you check out the rest of the podcasts. I'm going to leave it there. <laughs> Thanks as always to Keith for going through the previews books with me. I think we just basically uh, talked ourselves out of several hundred pounds each. So, uh, yeah, good stuff. Now that was uh, that was great fun. That was great fun burning through that. And even though I've already been through the books and I've made a list, uh, you've still managed to add two or three things to the list that uh, that I wasn't convinced of or didn't notice. Still uh, so got it. Still yeah. got it. <laughs> Perfect. All right, that was uh, that was lovely. Thank you very much. Absolute pleasure. We will see you guys soon.